like sweeter than candy. And that's how we released on. Jamie's first single. Yeah, I don't know if that's even the right words anymore. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Red Raccoon Radio, where a customer steals away the gameologists of Red Raccoon Games in Bloomington, Illinois, and makes them talk about all the nerdy things that he needs to get off of his chest. Of course, as always, and for some reason so easy to trap, I've got store owner Jamie. Hello. And gameologist Jessica. Hello. And so... Uh, yeah, nobody's here to say, it's me, Jessio. That's right, and <laughs> that's probably it's good. It's me. I don't have any Chris Pratt news today. There's no no Chris Pratt changing. He's really stayed under the radar. So I don't know if you've been listening to the episodes lately, but Chris Pratt is become part of our podcast inadvertently. We didn't really intend for it, but... Here's my Chris Pratt update that came out from this week from Jessica. We have a customer named Chris Pratt. <laughs> it is not Chris Pratt the actor, but yes, I have a buddy named Chris Pratt who does shop at the store. Okay, he's an I, was, attorney. I was wondering, nobody answered that. He's an attorney, he's too. He's an attorney, yeah. Better does be he, careful. Does he just come in with, like, glasses and a trench coat? Because it could still be Chris Pratt. No. Okay, fair. No. Fine. You fine. forgot the fake mustache. That's true, but, well, that's probably <laughs> him getting character from Mario. But, dang, we even still had a Chris Pratt report at the yeah. beginning of the podcast. Uh, but let's talk about actually what's going in the store, not just who's going there. So how's the store been this last week? Um, it's good. It's very good, right? I, I, I've said, I realized I've said it's weird on so many podcasts, but it's it's not weird. It's just good. It's just, it's busy. The holiday season has begun, right? We are now um, one week after Thanksgiving, after Small Biz Black Friday and Small Business Saturday, and and things have been good. It's just busy, but people are coming in that we haven't seen since last Christmas, and they're, you know, they're asking us for help to buy gifts for family members and friends that they know are gamers, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's been really good. I've seen some of the, the coupons from the catalogs come in. I know that the, um, just looking at the numbers of people coming through is, is bigger than we've had in the last few years, I feel like. Yeah, it's, uh, and then you add on to it, so this is Sunday, and just two days ago on Friday was the Downtown Bloomington Association's Once Upon a Holiday which is a, a big deal. All of the businesses in downtown Bloomington get together and have live window vignettes, things going on in their windows. Everybody stays open late and makes it kind of a holiday shopping festival. And uh, the weather was really nice on Friday. Oh, I think we had a, like a yeah. high of 55. And so when evening came and cooled off, it was still pretty nice and clear. And there was a ton of people downtown. And... Uh, uh, I don't think um, I don't think we had anybody who was working at the store on Friday night who had been working since last year. So because we've got a, we've had a lot of employee changeover, and so nobody there Friday night had been here, and they're like, "Where are all these people coming from?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I told you, it's a big deal. Once upon a holiday, and then Tour de Chocolate in February are the two biggest ones, and always draw huge crowds as long as the weather's nice." So oh, it's yeah. good. That's great. That's yeah. amazing. Lots of new games. Things are finally freeing up somewhat from some of the shipping snarls. And um, we're, well, we're getting games that we expected to get in August are showing up. Um, we got some Pokemon stuff that was supposed to come out in October that just showed up. Nice. Um, so a lot of stuff that was delayed, has been delayed for months, is now showing up. So that means our November releases will probably get here in January-ish, something like that. 
But it's been good. Lots of new stuff. That's excellent. Speaking of our shipping woes, that kind of leads us really nicely into the first article that I wanted to kind of throw in the news today. Uh, so apparently, and this comes from Dicebreaker.com, uh, small publishers are trying to do the best they can to overcome some of these hurdles. Uh, and one of them, Molly Zeff, who is a co-founder of Flying Leap Games, actually tried to raise a community to try and combat this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you, I'm not going to go into the whole entire article. Uh, it's a fantastic read on Dicebreaker. It talks about her trials and tribulations, how basically how she was so excited to release a game and then realized that even releasing a game could bankrupt her now at this point. And with that worry, trying to reach out to other small publishers and just try and get enough uh, product into a shipping crate so that way the cost would be offset by multiple people to bring it over to the States. Uh, unfortunately, the, the end of the article is a kind of a downer uh, in the fact that she was unable to successfully get that, and I believe partially the article was published to try and help her get more uh, grassroots support in trying to get this done. But I did find it interesting that now we're, we're starting to see this, just as, Jamie, you kind of predicted with all of these shipping costs being more of more of a problem, all of it just being... Uh, we still hear about tankers being out on the outside of the uh, coastlines now being pulled to even go farther away because the pollutants of the ships are actually destroying the ecological system of oh, the bays. Oh, I hadn't read that one. That, yes. I mean, it makes sense when you say it out loud, but I hadn't read about that. And part of the dangers in that is that these ships are now being pushed farther and farther out, and the farther out they go, the more the weather can affect the ships. Yeah. And there was even stories a few weeks back of a uh, whole entire uh, the crates, not crates, what am I trying to say? Shipping, shipping containers. Shipping containers being kicked off the ship. Yeah. And so many people on the board game posts were saying, oh no, that's my ex-Kickstarter. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Not, not really knowing if that was what was in the crates or not, but still at the same point, uh, totally being worried about trying to get things that they've already bought. And again, just the woes of the the publishers and the game developers trying to just get these games in people's hands. Yeah. Well, Molly is good people, right? She's actually been to the store before and demoed her game here. I think I met her originally at the Gamma Trade Show in Las Vegas like four years ago. And we carried her best-selling game, which is called Wing It!, it's a storytelling game. We carry it at the store. It's great, hugely popular, especially with like junior high age kids who just love to tell the crazy stories and spin a yarn, right? Completely family friendly. And um, and she's been here. She's done demos. She did a demo of her uh, one of her newer games, which was called uh, the Million Dollar Bet. Um, as well, and then she just launched another brand new one, which is called uh, Jew Card Revoked. Um, Molly is a huge, obviously she's Jewish, and she is a huge proponent for Jewish rights and stuff. And um, and Grant, who works at the store, is Jewish also, and he finds her writings hilarious because it's like a lot of this shared things about growing up in, a, in the family and everything like that too. So he's, he's looking forward to getting um, the game as well. But she's done a lot to try to bring groups of people together inside of the Gamma organization of the small publishers. She's been trying to bring people together of um, you know minority representation and trying to work as a group to build a better representation from them. 
um, you know, as women-owned businesses or uh, people of color that own businesses as well, trying to say um, rising tide lifts all ships, right? And so I was not surprised to find that she'd been trying to come up with a way to negotiate and figure out cheaper shipping. Um, you know, and I wish her all the best because she makes fun games. And, and some of the other publishers I've heard she's working with make fun games too. Um, and, and I don't know what the long-term solution to this is either if it's uh, when this happens in other industries, we start to see consolidation, mm -hmm. right? Where there's a, there's a huge period of growth and a ton of new businesses pop up and then the most successful of them seem like they start to merge together. And we've seen some of that with Asmodee buying places and, and Flat River Games just acquired somebody. And so we're starting to see some consolidation. And I think that might be the route where some of this is going to end up taking, where these smaller companies end up consolidating together to have enough buying power to pay for discounted shipping because of volume, things of that nature. So... When I'm not keeping people, uh, kidnapping people for a podcast, I do work over at Growmark, and they're a farm co-op. And that's exactly, I believe, kind of what they reference in this article that she's basically trying to develop. Not necessarily create an overall company that they all merge into, but, but a co-op A co-op of, here's a central location that, as you say, gives us buying power, gives us connections, gives us the ability to work with one another and produce more quality items with lower overhead costs. And I could completely see this being... A new paradigm. Well, maybe not a new paradigm, but a more forceful paradigm within the industry. I think it's probably more of a circular thing, right? I don't know if it's new. I think it's just what is old is new. I mm. think this has happened many times in the game industry over the years, and it's just the next revolution of the wheel. And and it'll, you know, and, and it might mean as you know, if it depends who you talk to, right? Because I mean, how is anybody supposed to know when you half the econ uh, economists say that? we're going to slide into a recession, an inflation-driven recession, and the other half of them are saying, no, you're wrong. You know, inflation is going to be temporarily once we solve the shipping issues, which most people are predicting, uh, predicting will be probably sorted out by next April, May. We'll see if they're right. I hope they are. Um, that inflation is temporary, but with the jobs growth that, you know, we're going to pull through this and we won't slide into a full recession. Um, they just announced that we had one of the lowest unemployment rates in a very long time. Um, that was the announcement just came out on Thursday. So people are out working. People aren't getting laid off right now, which is always a big thing if you think about the last couple of recessions we've we've slid into. Um, but maybe the board game market um, slows down a little bit, right? And we, because I was telling somebody when I first bought Red Raccoon Games, there was probably 14, 15 games coming out per month. And now there's 14, 15 games coming out per week. And yeah. sometimes it feels like per day, you know, and we can't even read all the announcements. And we're trying to keep up with the news and watch the sites and try to pick out the juiciest ones because we sure don't have room to stock all that stuff. Right. Um, so maybe some of the, the crazy growth we've seen in the game industry for the last three years is finally going to slow down and get back to something more manageable where consumers have a chance to really focus in and, and just love and appreciate um, high-quality games coming out. Because um, some of the games coming out has, has been like, it feels a little bit like throwing spaghetti at a wall and sees what's, seeing what sticks, right? And if we... Um, but the result of that is fewer games, 
being published per print run because they don't know which ones are going to work and which ones are not going to work. And then a game that does work and everybody wants it is instant demand, no availability, six months to get a reprint on it. So I don't know. I'm not sure how this is going to play out. It's going to be um, interesting to sit back and watch. Absolutely. However, I do want to kind of focus in on some juicy announcements that have come out, as we right. were referencing before. One that, Jamie, I know that you're very excited about, and talking oh, yeah. to Jessica before the podcast, <laughs> she's excited about too. Uh, so a few weeks back, there were packages sent to influential people in the board game community. And when they opened it up, well, actually, first of all, they got a small figurine yes, uh, that was identified as the Silver Surfer. Small token. Yes. And then later on, another package came, uh, much larger, and when they opened it up, it was Galactus. Because the Silver Surfer is the herald of Galactus. Oh. In comic books, he always leads the way when Galactus is moving. Very iconic duo that goes on there. Yes. Eventually, Silver Surfer frees himself, but we won't get into all that. I might be spoiling something in the future of uh, the MCU for people. However... The odd thing happened in the sense that one Galactus might have been a normal, what we considered normal from the comic books to Galactus, but another version, and again, these packages that were coming from Simon, was a zombified version of Galactus, where his face was sullen and his mouth was open Ooh. and his hand was eaten away. And that led to many people theorizing that we were going to have a Marvel zombie side. And sure enough, a few weeks, weeks later... Uh, I think it was days. Days? Days later, they announced Marvel Zombicide. Which I... Based on the comic series, Marvel Zombies, right? Correct. That is the idea. Right. So, knowing that... I've seen Jamie's house, and I've seen his collection of Zombicide, his collection of (laughs) unopened Zombicide to this day. Uh, I knew that he would immediately be excited about this. So, he and I actually... There is less unopened Zombicide now. I spent about... Three hours the other night, opening boxes and organizing things. Just so that way John couldn't say you have more. He knew this was open. coming. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not all open yet. There's just less unopened. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, the live stream was something Jamie and I actually were texting in the middle of. And I wish that I could have spent more time actually watching. I had to rewatch it later. But they've made some interesting changes to how this version of Zombicide is going to work. Uh, in the sense that this time, you're playing as the zombies. Yeah. It's going to be... I mean, it fits the theme with Marvel Zombies. As well as the storyline that was followed in the comics. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, you, and not only that, but you're, as you're, you're playing as the zombies, that means that the unzombified heroes take the place of the abominations throughout the game. So the superheroes are the bad guys. Because they're coming to stop you, and they have all sorts of different powers. But as a zombie, of course, you have to occasionally recharge your batteries. Correct. By capturing and eating people. <laughs> and uh, So it is a completely different take on what we've seen before. Instead of a adrenaline point that you get on the dial for zombie side, uh, it is your hunger. And as time goes on, your hunger grows. If you get to the certain point with hunger... You can't use any of your super moves. All you can do is chase after people, lunge after them, and eat them. Mm-hmm. And then once you bring that hunger level down, you get access to your abilities again. You get control. Exactly. So it's not just you're a zombie hero and you can eat people. The game is going to force you. That you have to eat people. That you have to eat yeah. people. Oh, man. 
Yeah, it was yeah, really I, interesting too watching the whole podcast. My, my my the gears were spinning in my brain, and I was watching like this is such a completely different take because it's always been about can people survive against insurmountable odds. And now we're playing as the, the zombies and having to take the people trying to survive, take them down. So it's interesting. And and not only that, but it's not only the superheroes. It's a lot of the superhero companions that are involved in this game, too. And you can get special things for eating them. For instance, um, Mary Jane Watson and Aunt May are companions that you can earn special things for chasing down and eating. It, you don't get any any Uncle Ben's rice? Oh, wow, Jess. That's <laughs> harsh, too, but too, cruel. Too soon. Too soon. Can it be too soon when it's like 50 years in? I will always respect the new Spider-Man movies for not showing oh, Uncle yes. Ben's death. Just, we know, we get it, we're moving on. You're aware of how Peter became Spider-Man. Yeah, we, we, get don't, it. we don't need this again. We don't need to see Batman's parents getting shot. We don't need to see pearls falling on the ground anymore. We can just accept this is happening. <laughs> but I, I and again, as Jamie was saying, they those characters, those companions represent the I don't like using this term, pimp crates is what's written inside the the rule book for that. So okay, that's so how that's you, where get your, you get your special weapons and stuff like that. That makes exactly. sense. And it's abilities, not necessarily weapons. Right. And then uh let's see, what was the other you do have your own specific powers for each person, much similar to what you have within uh zombie side, except it's not shared. So Captain America is going to have his throwing shield, but not everybody is. No other character is going to have that ability right. because it's the unique. Different to them. characters will have different specialties. Kind exactly. of like they. I mean, they always kind of have had that with. Yeah. And for those so many characters stuff. in Zombicide. Yeah. For those of you that are wondering, uh, you will still have a ton of figures on the board because instead of zombies, you're going to have shield agents that are trying to stop you. And the shield agents represent the zombies in oh, the game. Man. And just watching the Simon Kickstarters and like all the special figures they bring out for that. There's so many. There's oh. so many for this one. As you would imagine, people lost their minds and started backing in mass droves. And there are so many figures on this one. This is, of course, a game we're going to have available at Red Raccoon. The Kickstarter hasn't even started yet. I just signed up for updates for when it does. Wait a minute, I thought it already was going. Nope, not no. yet. They just showed all those figures in the. I guess they I'm, did. I'm, I'm getting confused with they, another one. They just showed all those figures in that meeting, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, they are hype building like insane. I guess in my dreams I just bought everything. I know I already <laughs> signed up for the stuff for the store, and we're definitely in. Um, the day that that uh, that's the teaser went out, I uh, so Pete is the guy that I, is the sales manager that deals with all the retailer stores. And I sent him a, an email, and all it had was that that picture of Fry. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yep. And he just he, he just yeah he just sent me back LOL. So it was funny. And, and they've even announced that this is not everything. They will have a lot of Kickstarter unlocks for not only different characters, but they've teased that there's different play styles that are coming as well. I truly believe that we'll get the ability to play Marvel heroes as. Uh, heroes in normal zombie side to some way shape or form uh that they'll include those cards they said that. that in the last like two minutes of the of that of that live stream they mm -hmm. said 
people kept saying, but can we play as the heroes? And they said, yes, you can. Oh, yes, there'll be a hero mode as well. Okay. But they don't want that to be the focus of it because they want to change the, the paradigm that has been Zombicide. They want to change it up, but they realize that there are going to be people who only want to play as the superheroes, and yes, you can do that. This is a such a crazy confluence to me because, first of all, the idea of... Playing as the villain is not something that's unheard of in board games, but very rarely in this type of context, in this degree. And the idea that this is Marvel letting this happen, I think it's only going to work because Marvel is coming out with a, they just did the What If episodes in in Disney Plus with the zombies, and Mm -hmm. they're coming out with a Marvel Zombies TV show. So I think that they're saying we'll allow this because we are willing to promote this it's as something on We're tying exactly. In. Yeah. So the the game probably drops right about the same time you as the think. TV show hits. Yep. Okay. I, I missed that announcement. I missed that there was going to be a Marvel Zombies TV show. It's, Completely missed that one. I wasn't aware of the TV show, but I have seen the What If episode, and that mm-hmm. was. It was a good watch. Yeah. So they played it very well in still being creepy and terrifying, but being okay for Disney Plus. Yes. Kelly wasn't a huge fan of the What If. I, I, I read all the What If comics growing up, right? And she was not a huge fan of the What If it's very TV bleak. show. Um, not all of them. Not all of not them. All of them. Not all of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them were very bleak. And I'm getting I'm getting towards the end of the the first season. So it, it seems like there's a there's a culmination happening. Um, no no spoilers here, but I'm I'm looking forward to finishing it over the next few weeks. Yeah. So we we kind of we take our TV in our household like it was coming out and like one or two episodes in a week, and it takes us usually a few months to get through a, a so show. So you don't like the binge? Um, we don't normally have the time to binge. That's fair. I feel yeah. that. Yeah. I feel that. I did finally watch the first episode of Hawkeye. And uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was, the, I enjoyed that quite a bit. The only binging I've done was on Midnight Mass, and that's oh. because that was one I just could not put down. You have to finish that because you don't need those nightmares of oh, no. the what if of that show in the yeah. back of your head. Oh no. So I will say on what yeah. if um, there is going to be a character that will appear that you're like, who is this? They did have to cancel an episode in the first season. They're going to show it in the second season, but there'll be a character that you're like. Why are they here? I don't know anything about them. That's what's going on there. Okay. Fair warning. You don't know what I'm talking about. Non-spoilers. Right. But it it took me a good long time. I could not understand why they had done this. You'll get it. Uh, But yeah, Hawkeye has been extremely good, and I believe Marvel Zombies is... I mean, this one is going to be interesting. I, I know that everyone complains about Marvel has been creeping into the board game space to such a degree that people are complaining about it online. From Splendor to now Dice Throne, and I'm sure that they're complaining about Zombie Side. Or I know they did before the release. I haven't really seen anybody talk smack about it since then. We've got Legendary. Right. Um, and uh, they have their own games, too. Marvel United is their own game. I mean, that didn't exist anywhere else. Yep, Marvel I mean, Champions. A, but what's the difference between that and, and the Harry Potter games, right? I mean, there's a Harry Potter everything. Right. You know, Harry Potter Munchkin, even. You know, or, or or critical role munchkin. I mean, what's really the difference of if if you're not into those games, then just don't play those games. It's it's the Nickelback effect, in my opinion. It's everybody has decided it's cool to oh, I'm just so tired of Marvel. You know, it's just oh, Nickelback is too much. But if they're too much, then why do they sell so many albums? You know, 
it's it's kind of the same thing. It's it's fun to hate on the thing that's popular. That's true. And and I think from a publisher standpoint, the the idea is uh, okay. Maybe somebody picks up Harry Potter Munchkin for the first time who has never played Munchkin. And I know that there are plenty of people like to hate on Munchkin, but Munchkin's just a kind of a really easy to teach, simple card game, right? So if that's somebody's first step into this broader world that we love of board games, you know, uh, we like to say at the store, don't yuck someone's yum. Oh, yeah. If somebody likes something, just let them like it. Don't You don't have to rip their thing down. Let them like it. Say, I'm glad, glad you like it. By the way, when you're ready, let's play this. Let me show you this next thing here, because if you think that's cool, now let's step you up to this other thing that's really cool. you know. And, and maybe it, it, it's that first step to get somebody in the door. Same thing with a critical role um, uh, munchkin or um, Harry Potter clue. or you know, There's so many branded and licensed things. But they're the gateway drug into board games. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and maybe I think there's part of it that... I guess this does. This would have applied to Harry Potter too, but there is a an addictive element. It seems with some people when it comes to Marvel Entertainment, and with Harry Potter, I think there's a much more personalized element to it. With Harry Potter, you can be a Slytherin. You can be. You can have your own wand. You can have your own Patronus. There's very much an element of you being able to be in that world. Whereas that when it comes to these Marvel movies, it's very much a outside of our own experience mm-hmm. and outside of our own capabilities. Uh, Harry Potter, anybody could have gone to Hogwarts. Uh, you just needed to be, you know, chosen by the owl. But not everyone can be Iron Man. Have magical talent would be start one, but well, <laughs> that is fair. Not be a Muggle. Uh, but at the same time, I just think that there was more of a endearment when it came to Harry yeah. Potter, and with Marvel, it's just the unlikely hero. Exactly, exactly. The everyman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why Spider-Man was so popular, though, is because he was he was a normal, you know, kind of poor, down on his luck kid, and yeah. you know, he he came into being this plucky, smart aleck hero. And I know that that's one of the ones that Stan Lee held really close to his heart. And I think it's the reason that a lot of other people have the same love for that character. Um, because when, when we attach ourselves to a character, it's because we see a reflection of ourselves within that character. Mm-hmm. We identify with that. And that's, I mean, the same thing whenever we're playing Dungeons & Dragons. You know, we're, we're putting ourselves into that world. So mm, it's, it's not fair. quite on the same level as as with Harry Potter, where you know, I am a Slytherin. This is my wand. This is my Patronus that you can do the quizzes online for and, and identify in that way. Um, but you you see yourself in some of the same situations the superheroes go through. I will say though, um, I went to Universal Studios in Florida a couple years ago, and you go back into Diagon Alley and the sheer happiness on the face of of the children who have gone to Ollivander's shop and gotten to pick out their own wand. And then I don't know if you guys have been there or not, but no. once you get a wand, you you and I, they're not cheap, right? But you get a wand all through Diagon Alley, there are places that you can go to cast spells to affect the environment around you. So if you if you have one of the wands and you stand in a certain spot and you do the motions like uh, lift and flick, right? You know, yeah. um, 
if you do the motions, the environment will change. Water will move, come out and move. There's, I mean, it's, it's all this animatronic stuff. But if you're eight to ten years old, so amazing. And, and Kelly and I just kind of stood off the side and just watched these kids, and they were so ecstatic when they got them to work. So there was, there's definitely, you're right. There's something there in, in, in that Harry Potter world. It blows my mind how we are able to create those inverse, uh, like immersive environments with practical effects now. Yeah. It's just, and that's actually one thing that I have not gotten to go to, to Galaxy's Edge, but I've been following it pretty closely. And when Galaxy Edge came out, you know, you were in the Star Wars universe. People didn't know anything outside of the world. All of the menus were in a different language. The Coke bottles didn't say Coke on them. They were their holiday ornament ones to make them just look funky. If you asked, like, where can I get a lightsaber, like, the Imperial Troopers would hassle you because you're not supposed to be asking about stuff related to the Jedi. And it sounds like enough people were complaining about that that they've actually st- taken a step back. Oh, that's and sad. And Coke is now on the bottles. The menus are now explaining what items are. and Some people just got to ruin it for all the rest of us. Right? And there were Easter eggs, like, in the park. And that, to me tells me that we're in the time where you can be that imaginative. And it's, going back to role-playing, that is what I'm looking forward to in the future, is building these environments where you can go and just role-play, not just pretending things are happening, but actually immersing yourself in it. Okay, can I I insert a... that do that. Can I tell a story that I just came up the other day? Please do. Is speaking about D&D in the future, Okay. So there's a series of audiobooks and books called the Bobaverse, and I've talked about them before on Red Raccoon stuff. That there's four of them out. They're all sci-fi um, set in the future with AIs running around exploring the galaxy and stuff. And one of the things they do is they create VR environments for themselves so they don't get bored during these incredibly long journeys between stars as they're exploring the galaxy. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons in the most recent book. And one of the things that happened is uh, one guy, they ran into a red dragon. The guy who's the wizard gets hit by a fireball, gets incinerated, drops his staff of fireballs. And another guy picks it up, and the dragon's attacking somebody else. And let's say that the wand of fireballs was used like a rectal thermometer and then set off from inside of the dragon. And the the whole thing, <laughs> I'm sorry, the whole thing dissolves into them arguing over whether the dragon gets a dodge, uh, a saving throw for dodging the fireball. And they're like, how's it going to dodge? The fireball's <laughs> inside the dragon. How's it going to dodge? So Hopefully it ate some cabbage. Oh, Roughage. Yeah. Yeah, so they killed the dragon. But um, anybody who needs a new audio series to listen to, the Bobaverse books are hilarious and poignant and well-written and... They're just great stories, and I they make me laugh every time I read them. They've shown up more than once on my suggested list, and that might have just pushed me over the edge. Yeah. I will say playing Dungeons & Dragons in media has becoming more and more of a staple. There, uh, there was a video game that was widely regarded called... Oh, now I'm going to blank on the name. Uh, Life is Strange. And they had a whole episode where it's just these main characters playing Dungeons & Dragons... Not going into the mystical world where they pretend where you see them as fairies. No, it's literally them playing really Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Community, I think, was one of the first TV shows oh, yeah. to show this, which it it kills me, and I understand why they had to take down that episode due the blackface. to correct. Yep. Because um, he was he was trying to play a drow elf, which makes sense, but from an outside point of view, yeah. of course. 
Uh, that, but that, that is an amazing episode. That was so good. Uh, they did it in Voltron, which is the animated show that just yeah. recently came out. They did it in Borderlands. They did it in Borderlands. There's an entire yes. DLC for Borderlands where Tiny Tina is running everybody else through a D&D campaign. And my favorite, she's, she'll be like, you know, roll a skill check. And then a giant D20 will come out of the side, out of the sky, and you have to dodge it so you don't get crushed by it as it bounces through the landscape and everything. They just Love released that. a supplement for yeah. that, didn't they? So the, they split it, it off a, as a standalone game. As a yeah. game, yeah. yeah so you don't something... have to play through all of Bo- uh, Borderlands. I think it was, was it Borderlands 1 or 2? Two. two. It was 2. two. Okay. Yeah. Um, you don't have to play the whole game to get to where you can play the DLC. Now you can just play just that part. I, not to, because we try and keep it family friendly. I was trying to avoid, but it is called Bunkers and Badasses if you're looking for it. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Jay, Which Jay is uh, a Kickstarter right now. Yes. Torgs yep. uh, Bunkers and Badasses uh, Arena. I'm, I'm waiting for to find out if we can get that for the store or not because it looks hilarious. It looks good. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they've, they've done some fun stuff with with Borderlands with board games. I mean, you've got uh, what is it? Tiny Tina's Tea Party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, the card game. It's, yeah. it's, it's actually really fun. Oh, it's crazy fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, also a tie-in for Dungeons & Dragons is um, Rick and Morty. Rick yep. and Morty versus Dungeons & Dragons was a 12-issue a comic miniseries that then they it co- uh, condensed it into two graphic novels you can get. And then now it's an actual starter set for D&D where you can play as the Rick and Morty characters. The creator of Rick and Morty is also the creator of Community, and he was a, he was a huge D and D fan. He actually had his own podcast called Harmontown, and out of no one night, he's just like, "I want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Who here can DM?" And this random guy raised his hand, and he came up, and for I think over a hundred episodes, this random guy that he met out of nowhere was just running a DM campaign, normally about halfway through the show where he was drinking Kettle One Vodka. So he was completely obliterated. Never remember what he did last week. It was <laughs> awful, but great at the same time. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But yeah. speaking of D&D, one thing I wanted to talk about while Jessica was on All right. is something that I know that Red Raccoon has been doing for a while now, and that is the painting contest. Oh, yes. The so, painting contest is so much fun. Um, so what it is, is every month the store has a specific model. We usually, we always run it from the WizKids models. Um, so they're already pre-primed. We select a mini of the month and folks have to buy that mini in store during that month to sign up. And then by the end of the month, they bring in their completed piece. So for last month, it was the Blue Dragon, uh, Young Blue Dragon specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, this month, we've got... The Death Tyrant. The Death Tyrant, yes. So I know somebody had the response of, oh, another Beholder. But it's, it's very different from just your standard Beholder. I mean, you've got this skeletal thing. Um, I picked one up on Friday... And I am super looking forward to to painting it and seeing what happens. But more so, I look forward to seeing what kind of creative things show up uh, as people turn in their pieces. Um, Last month we had the Blue Dragons. I'm going to go downstairs and take photos of those. Those will probably be out before this podcast. But... um, I yeah, think it's important to note that there's there's always a beginner category and then yes, a regular category sorry. too. So for people who are just getting started with minis painting, 
don't be afraid because we've created a beginner's category just for you and everybody else who is still working on perfecting their technique. One of the caveats that we have though is if you ever win the beginner category, you, you, graduate. Can, you graduate to regular. You have won at this level, now you've graduated to the regular and you can't enter beginner category anymore. And uh, because there's prizes. There are prizes for this. So there's a beginner category prize and a regular prize. There's a Jessica's taking pictures to post them on social media because there's a fan favorite prize. Oh, yeah. You know, and so it just keeps it fun and interesting for people. And it turns out we tried to do a bunch of like minis that could be player characters. They're never as popular as when we do monsters. Oh, no, because everybody, everybody can use a monster. And monsters, I feel like you can put a lot more creativity into. And, I mean, I've seen a lot of interesting themes that have been put onto the monsters that I don't think could come through as well on, on the little bitty player character maze. It's true. Um, and, I mean, that's, that's really what started, personally, my, my love of painting is I had been a beginner painter a couple of years ago, uh, decided that I was going to go into the contest and won as the beginner level on maybe like my first or second contest in with the store contest. Nice brag. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, <laughs> just low key. Um, but, uh, and I, I look back on that miniature compared to some of the other stuff and it, it's definitely a story to tell because you see where where you start with with painting, and you can you can kind of watch your growth go through your your different figures as you you learn from each piece you do, and it's it's definitely one of those practice makes perfect kinds of things with with painting. Um, and I mean I'm I'm always watching videos or, or listening to stuff or reading up on articles on how to improve painting or learning about the paints themselves, the brushes, the tools. Um, and we really do have a lot of good stuff in the store for We've got painters. some really good painters too. Oh yeah. Some of them, I mean, some of the ones in the regular category are borderline professionally done. Oh yes. And, and actually, well, to be fair, there are a couple of the people who turn in for the regular category not always, but occasionally, but they will actually do commission painting for other people as well. And and their work is just great. So I, th I think it's always interesting, too, because um, there's kind of like two groups of painters that we have. There's like the Warhammer guys, and then there's the like the D&D, the fantasy-based painting people. And one of the things with Warhammer is you're painting the same model or the same series of models over and over and over again so you can really grow into that because you've got to paint, call it, 40 Space Marines and they are basically going to be painted the same but you're getting just a ton of practice and repetition and over and over and over again. But on the, the fantasy side, it's everyone is unique and everyone is different and techniques that work on one may or may not work on a different you know, many if it's a PC versus a monster and stuff like that. So it's a lot more diverse learning style that you have to have on the adventure side. That's that's what got me started, admittedly. Um, I feel like I'm at an AA meeting. That's how I got started with Warhammer. Um, because there was a holiday box for the Skaven, and I really like the Skaven from having played Vermintide on the computer. So I, I brought that box home just to paint them, and it was such an adventure. Um but it, it's really there. There are ways to customize each one of your figures, even when you have 40 of the same same style. 
You're a little bit like, hi, hi my name is Jessica, and I play Warhammer. Yes. <laughs> hi, Jessica. <laughs> I will say I got the privilege of taking photos for the contest for a short time, and one of the amazing things I saw was people, how they modded the kit sometimes. So oh, they would yes. add elements to it. There was ones with lights. There was ones with amazing terrain that got added into it. So it wasn't just even the painting. It was the presentation itself has always been really fascinating. And anytime you want to see anything, any of the work that's been done for that past month, it is available within the store. They're just in a glass case. Yep. Yeah. By the, by the backside of the stairs, there's a glass case there. And there's one shelf that is always, if you see one shelf full of all the same model that's the painting contest model for this month yep so it's it, i think we've been doing it for gosh two and a half years maybe two years i've been part of it for at least two and a half years so it's probably been three or three and a half oh everything kind of blurs together for me after a while is when things we started doing it and and it's been it's been continuously popular the challenge is getting to be is is finding new minis that we haven't already painted um, that everybody will find interesting enough to be the next mini. I hear Tiamat's coming out. I'm sure that could Well, that'll be pre-painted, though. Oh, that's right, it is. And it's supposed to be here this week. Oh, and really? one of those is going to have a big J on it. <laughs> for Jamie, not for Jessica, for Jamie. Anyone yeah. with a J name can pick that up, right? That's... No, 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 no. Oh, okay. oh, we've got a lot of J names just in staff, so... Yeah, we, got, we started getting a lot of A's all of a sudden, too. Yeah. Alexis, uh, Ariel, Anna. Um, so we're working on that. We're working way through the A's. We're, we're changing our alphabet up. Yeah. Because for a while it was like you were Grayson was the oddball out of being the only person whose name didn't start with a J. And 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 now well Grayson's always the oddball out, but um, <laughs> that's a story for a different day. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, the, great, the great sand shrew incident is uh, all talks all by itself. We'll, we'll make a Patreon episode just for that one someday, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but if we can't buy Tiamat in the store right now, let's talk about what we can buy in the store right now. And one thing that kind of jumped out to me right away, which is sometimes odd in this podcast because I feel like I know I'm going to talk about X, and you end up talking like two or three times about something very adjacent, is the Dreidel D20s that are now available uh, in the new hotness. Yeah, um, and that's interesting too. So one of our goals at the store is working on and always taking steps forward to think about and work on making everybody feel welcome, making everybody feel like we have something for them, and kind of this inclusive environment and there have always been plenty of Christmas things, Christmas puzzles, Christmas versions of games, but there haven't really been a lot of things for Hanukkah and um, until recently. And it seems like now Hanukkah things are coming out and um, you know, having Grant on staff and Grant saying, how come you don't have any dreidels in the store? I'm like, well, because I never thought about it, and that's bad on me for never having considered that. So I went looking for Hanukkah-themed things, and there's not a lot to get out there. But one of the things I found was dreidel dice, and they are they're D20s uh, with the, the the all the symbols that you would find on a dreidel printed on the die. Grant was so over the top happy when I got that match. <laughs> he was so excited. And I think he has single handedly sold most of the sets we have. I think there's only a couple left in the store right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to order some more. But I know a bunch of people who bought them because it's, you know, we're, well, Hanukkah just ended, I think, right? Was I, it? 
I believe so. There was a large um, menorah that is visible somewhere uptown normal, and I think that I've seen all of the lights being lit on that. Yeah, night, so. and I, I think it's officially over as of, I think, Friday. It okay. might have ended on Friday. Um, tomorrow. Hanukkah okay. began Sunday, November 28th, and ends the evening of Monday, December 6th. So, if assuming Google is correct. Yeah, well, we, we cool. I guess we have to a little Who bit. Who else can we there. trust? <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, well, and, and that's part of it, too, is, right, is is I'm not a over-religious person, but, you know, I, I think probably I should know when Hanukkah starts and stops and everything. Um, but we're seeing more things coming out. So, like, you can get uh, Jewish flux. Um, Molly is, like we talked about earlier, Molly is making Jew card revoked as a fun game to play with your Jewish family and friends. Um, and then dreidels, I we have squishable dreidels on order, but they're delayed in a cargo ship someplace, of course. And um, and then dreidel dice, and, and Grant has been selling them all, and it's just like that kind of that awareness of trying to keep things top of mind and and make sure that we can reach everybody with something. Well, it does help that we we've been getting a more and more diverse staff too so that's that's something i don't know that we've done it intentionally yeah but it, it's definitely happening i mean we've got um we've, we're starting with racial diversity we've got um cultural cultural diversity background we've diversity got lgbt staff yeah um, well and i think that i think that once you you break that um that shell that, that, that exists around their business, other people feel safer coming forward saying, I would like to work here too. Yes. And, um, you know, we, I think we have more people with colored hair right now than not, you know, um, as I'm looking at just across the table My with bright, bright pink, pink hair. hair. Um, uh, see, uh, Juliet's got green, Anna's got purple, um, Rhea's got red in hers. Um, Ariel's is kind of a blue tint to it. So, I think there are more people with colored hair than there are not right so now. So I guess the question is, Jamie, when are we going to get to color your hair? Oh, nobody wants to see that, John. I don't know. I think that if we put a bucket out and be like, if we fill this bucket with quarters, Jamie will dye his hair, we could probably make that happen. Oh, I'll go to the bank. I don't know if, uh, you know, here's the thing is, is I don't know that you can really color the amount. I think the grays are just going to keep coming through. I think. Oh no, that's perfect to pick up that color. Because that, that's it's already pre-lighted. You don't have to bleach it then. <laughs> yeah. We'll table this for an after-episode conversation. You know, Kelly. I'll just say, Kelly and I have been tutoring um, some boys, uh, some freshman boys that are were in her fourth grade class. We're trying to help them get their grades up in high school and stuff. And uh, one of the boys saw our engagement picture and went, "Whoa, you used to have red hair." And I was just like. <laughs> Dude, seriously, <laughs> come on. He'll understand there's, someday. There's still some red to the, the, the beard. The it's fading brows. pretty fast. Going back to Tiamat earlier, you do have uh, another Dungeons & Dragons Icons of the Realm, a Yawning Portal, which is a very historic piece within the Dungeons & Dragons lore. You also have... It's one of the biggest minis. You know, at what point do we call it minis, right? I guess it's right. mini scale. Maxis. Yeah, but that thing is, you know, two foot by three foot when you put it together, representing, yeah, the, the Yonic Portal is the start of many, many famous adventures all throughout Dungeons & Dragons lore. And it's the first floor and the second floor, um, and it comes with uh, uh, Durin, the barkeeper, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be an add-on pack coming out that you will be able to get other people that are always there, like Bonnie is the doppelganger oh, yeah. barmaid. 
and uh, Three Strings is the Harper agent who gives quests out from there on a regular basis. So, so yeah, there, there'll be more coming to that to keep building out that world if you want to launch off your adventures from the Young Portal. I am going to make note of Lizard Wizard, just because it's a very fun name to say, and I don't know how there wasn't a game of this already. Uh, it, but it is made by the same people who did uh, Raccoon Tycoon, so that yes. is not too surprising. And the Fat Cat expansion. Correct. Yeah, it's and it's. Um, uh, I was talking to Chris about it. Chris used to work with us at the store, and he was super stoked about it because all of the reviews that are coming in for Lizard Wizard said that they took all the lessons learned from Raccoon Tycoon and improved upon it and made a better game. So it follows that same theme of acquisition and stuff, but it's a much cleaner game um, across the board, and the reviews are coming out great on it. And we still have the regular version, the retail version, and a few of the Kickstarter versions with like the premium component packs on it. Now, just the last time we had you on, we went to a Pokemon mode, I believe. Oh, man. And I think that you got Pokemon on a log. Yes, because I got the Pikachu and Pichu on a log. You did, and it was absolutely adorable. And what I'm seeing in the new hotness is now terrariums? Yes. So, I mean, there's the different terrariums. There's desk decor. All of these are blind packs, so you have a chance of, like, one in six or one in eight of what you pull, and that's that's become one of my, my new addictions is because um, I picked up some of the, the office, like, pen holders and stuff like that. So now I've got one at my, my computer desk for, for my main job that holds on to one of my little login keys. I've got one that um, I think it's supposed to be able to hold pens. I, I haven't been able to successfully test that, but just just the idea that you've got these these blind bags that you can get uh, different Pokemon, and I mean the the art, the sculpting on all of them is is gorgeous. Um, I'm I'm going to have way too much plastic. Like one of the, one of these days, <laughs> I'm just going to to wake up and be surrounded by plastic models and figures, and Pokemon are going to be part of that sea. You are a carbon footprint. I am. That's right. I am, all by myself. There was a meme that came out the other day, and it said, do what makes you happy and leave behind stuff so that when you're gone, people going through your stuff are like, what the hell? Oh, <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, my house too. And John's house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I do like the terrariums just because they're spherical, and it makes me believe that's what the inside of a Pokeball is like, and it makes me feel a little bit better. Like There's yes. a VR environment for the Pokemon. It's not just they're turned to energy, and they have no life outside of what's going on, so... I, mean, it, I, I thought that trainer guilt. Yeah, well, trainer guilt, but like they they made it seem like in the in the TV show from the the late '90s that like they went to go stay and hang out with Professor Oak and run around in pastures and stuff like that. Because um, so I think they knew that people were starting to ask questions that they had not figured yeah. out yet. Oh yeah. Um, there's, but, there's been some videos and stuff done over the years that suggest that things are not nice inside a Pokeball. That's true. And, it is true. It's a little disturbing. That's I, sad. At the very Pokemon least... Pokemon is a very happy thing. Nobody should bring be. unhappiness into it. I think of it like a teleporter from Star Trek. It's just like their mid-teleport, and they're just their energy is kept in there, and it's kind of in a stasis. That's how Scotty survived to be in the, the, the next generation. That's so, true. That's he was what stuck I'm saying. in the teleporter. That's yeah. true. Uh, also in there is uh, one of the games that I was pretty excited about was Trails. 
trails is like a spiritual successor to parks and parks is uh such an amazing game um that all, all about exploring the national parks it's like all of a sudden we had a wave of national park related games mm -hmm. and uh parks has just this art style that they use that's just phenomenal trails then takes it and you're exploring more than just the national park and you're exploring things like you, one of the places you could go is you could go and explore um, the Golden Gate Bridge and, and places like that. Still landmarks, just not necessarily national parks. And it's like a quick play version of, of parks because parks is a hour, hour and 15 minute game and trails is 20 minutes. So it's a faster play version, which we've seen a lot of that happening where people are taking the same theme and making a faster play version of the game. So that's pretty cool. I am going to go ahead and, and finish this out with uh, a game that I've talked about before, but now is a perfect time to jump in, and that is Arkham Horror. Um, oh, I'm trying yeah. to remember, is it, it's not Center of the Earth, and my photo is not good Edge enough. Edge of the to, Earth. Uh, thank you, Edge of the Earth. So Arkham Horror, the living card game, is a narratively driven story where you take characters through an adventure. Now, the more of it that you buy, the more characters that you get. But one of the interesting elements that always came from this game was that you could buy it in episodes for the most part. And those episodes would be released usually, I think, on a monthly basis. Monthly basis. And so you started one, and then you'd have to wait for the next month, and then wait for the next month. And these games were gruelingly hard, so it might be it took you a month to really sit down, play it all the way through, lose the first time, play it again, and things along those lines. However, it made it really hard to get people into the game because not knowing where to start was always kind of a difficult choice. You kind of had somebody to explain it to you, and there is kind of an initial investment of you've got to at least buy the starter box first if you even want to play, because the small, more cost-effective packs, they don't actually have characters in them. It's a one solid story. So I, I have heard many stories of people buying just a booster, thinking, oh, I'll give this a try, and then it's not a full game. You have to require something else. Yeah. So Edge of the Earth is something that Fantasy Flight is doing differently, and they're taking all of the episodes and now just containing it in one box, mm -hmm. as well as having all the characters in there, so you get a full multi-episode adventure in one box. So if you're looking to get started into something that's creepy, that is challenging, and that is has a lot of narrative elements to it, this is an excellent place to start. Well, they, yeah, they they created a new jump-in point, right? Mm -hmm. You can go backwards and get all the other stuff. Um, if you're brand new to the game, you need the chapter box with the story, and you need the character's box. But if you've already got the game, then you've already got characters, then you don't need that character's box. So you can just buy the new storyline, just like you would have in the past, but instead of, like you said, instead of waiting one piece at a time for, uh, you know, each one was six parts long, and waiting for one piece at a time to come out, you can get them all at the same time. And it's actually less expensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you want to, if I put my hippie hat on for just a minute, it's less packaging at the same time, too. So it's less plastic packaging that is going probably into a landfill, um, than you would have by putting out six individual chapter packs. Offsetting Jessica's carbon footprint. Yeah, making the <laughs> yeah. difference there. <laughs> yeah, so if you're if you're new, you need the Edge of the Earth. You can get the Edge of the Earth storyline and the Edge of the Earth character pack. Um, and then if you've been playing for a while, you might actually just want the new characters anyway because there's five new characters. 
so you could add them to your pool because I think five were in the original box. They released five characters as standalone packs last year, and then now there's five new, so you can mix and match. And I think you've got a total pool of 15 characters you could pick one to play with. I think it's more than... If you do all the past ones, it's a lot more than that. Is it more than 15? So basically every every episode was... Uh, well, first of all, you have to buy the starter. And you're right, that came with five. And then at the beginning of each new chapter, or excuse me, each new story, you got another new five characters. Which Fantasy Flight has done a great job of uh, allowing diversity into their games lately with Arkham Horror. Uh, as we have LGBTQ characters, we have characters with uh, specific pronouns, uh, we have characters that come from other descent than just white people. Uh, so it's it's really been kind of fun to see them branching out and creating these new narrative devices that, again, while this has Cthulhu-esque themes, it is not keeping up with the xenophobia that usually comes with H.P. Lovecraft. I was going to say, that's, that's, we're, we're, we're making H.P. Lovecraft roll in his grave, and that's a good thing. Yes, if we could get that perpetual motion to yeah. harnessed, I think it would hey, be great. While we're talking about diversity... Something cool. We started off the episode, or I was talking about, I was opening zombicide boxes. One of the zombicide boxes has the first survivor in a wheelchair. That's and awesome. He's got an armored wheelchair. So, and like with the cage netting to protect him from anything coming behind him with spikes sticking out of the back of it and stuff. It's pretty cool. We we had one in uh, Invader too because it was um, oh I can't remember the is it was the um, super Stephen Hawking. Is who it was. Invader may or may not be one of the games in my pile of shame that's never been opened <laughs> at my house. Yeah, yeah. So there, there is a Stephen Hawking in Invader, and he is probably one of the more powerful player characters because he has access to all of the um, all of the robotics, like right. Oh, off nice. The that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is cool to watch. Um, it is cool to watch the the industry evolve and catch up and and sometimes and hopefully start leading the way at the same time too. You know, we see this in in actual play D and D campaigns where it's been embraced there, and you see it in. Um, there was a game that came out a couple of years ago called uh, Topiary. And it didn't do very well, but it introduced the first wooden meeple character in a wheelchair as a as a meeple type character, and also all of the it had specific male, female, and and you know neutral non-binary yeah mm-hmm. yeah nine but non-binary characters as specifically as meeples in the box as well. So it was that was again another attempt to keep pushing pushing things forward. So it's kind of fun to watch. Speaking of pushing things forward, uh, we're coming down to a close. What's going to be happening in the store this upcoming week? Uh, Christmas, holiday season. People are, are shopping. People are having a good time. Um, the Magic Store, a, a store championship for Magic the Gathering started 15 minutes ago. Um, hope he, hoping Jesse is still sane downstairs. Um, so that's happening. Uh, we just had a Digimon Store championship. HeroClix guys have their big end-of-the-year thing that's coming up um, that they always do at the end of the year where they use the year number as the amount of points they play with. So it's a really long event for them (laughs) um, because they're going to play to 2,021 points. Uh, But really, it's it's, right now, it's for us is, you know, we're starting to think about things after the holidays, right? But everything now is just trying to make people as happy as we possibly can. Q3 
keep whatever supply we can available. Um, you know, this room we've, you've talked about before is, was piled with games, and those piles of games are significantly smaller now than they were. Um, and, and it's just us trying to keep people happy. Um, there's only one big sale that we do every year left for the before the holidays are hit us. Um, you know, and I'll just throw it out there that we're closing early on Christmas Eve. We've closed on early. On, I stayed open late the very first Christmas Eve that I owned the store. Nobody came in. So now we just close at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We will be open normal hours on New Year's Eve, which is 10 p.m. on Friday. Um, and already starting to look forward to, you know, closing the store down for a half a week to do inventory in January, which is nobody's favorite time of year, but <laughs> required by law. So we got to do it. So. Oh, man. Yeah, there's and every year there's more and more. Yeah. Counting uh, the last time. We pulled a, a list. There were the day Jeff pulled it. There were exactly five thousand unique barcodes in stock when he pulled that, and I, that number I think has gone up even more since then because we're just always on the lookout for the next new thing. What's going to be cool? Um, you know, things like we just brought in like those the Bill Nye Science Virtual Reality Kits. I'm. Those have already been designated. Some of those are designated presents for my nephews. And because uh, I, man, if I was a kid, I would just sit and play with that for hours. Oh my gosh. It's a science kit and a virtual reality thing hanging out with Bill Nye. How awesome is that? Even the virtual atlas that we have. I could, I love maps. I don't know if it's a, if it's a geek thing or not, but everywhere that Kelly and I travel when we travel I buy like an antique map of that area where we've been so I've got antique map of Hawaii and an antique map of Portugal and, and Italy and stuff and I love maps and so I could spend hours just looking at Google Maps and atlases and doing those challenges of like where are you it drops you in a random place in Google Maps and you try to figure out where you're at I love that kind of stuff. There's an alternate reality where Jamie like hops from location to location on an ancient map, like in an Indiana Jones film, for sure. Where in the world is Jamie San Diego? I like yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got enough Photoshop and skills to make that all look really oh fun. Oh, no. So let me go ahead and sign off so I can get to go creating that. Thank you so much again for listening. And everyone, have a... Uh, I think happy holidays. Happy, I don't happy know. holidays, yep. joyous yeah. Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. May your days be filled with friends and family that and enjoy spending time with each other. Just end the year well, and yes. we'll I believe see you in 2022. Sounds Fantastic. great. Till then, uh, keep bye, y'all. Bye bye.